1: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we come to part two of Pastor Jim's series of sermons on prayer, centered on Jesus' teaching on the subject in Matthew chapter six. We'll finish our look at the Lord's Prayer recorded in verses nine through 13. The first part of the prayer addresses God, recognizing his holiness and sovereign hand over his creation. Beginning in verse 11, we begin to see requests. What do you pray for? When do you pray? Is it only when you want something you don't have, or want God to remove something that you do have, like a challenging circumstance? How does that idea of prayer differ from the model Jesus provides us here? Are there ways, perhaps, that we should remodel our prayers? Some of us may need to completely demolish the old way and replace it with this new way. Some of us just need to take prayer more seriously and pray far more often. There are lessons to learn here for every Christian, so we hope you'll join us every day this week. For this day, here is today's piece of the message entitled, Pray Like This, Part 2.
0: Listen, he knows the world in which you live. He knows who is the God of this age. He knows that the, the world is programmed to hate you. So what this means is, Lord, do not permit us as weak as we are by nature, as much as we are prone to sin, do not allow us to enter into situations in which the natural flow of events would expose us to temptation, but in every case, with temptation all around us, deliver us from the evil in the world. This, prayer is a, this part of the prayer is a, a praying for a safeguard against presuming on God, a false sense of security and self-sufficiency that you on your own can be righteous. No, no, no. That's the Pharisees' way. You on on your own confess, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's the one who is justified. We know that we will never have arrived spiritually and that we'll never be free from the danger of sin until we're with the Lord so rightly. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Martin Luther, in commenting on this, said, We cannot help being exposed to the assaults, but we pray that we may not fall and perish under them. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. And by the way, here's how He prayed for us, among other things, in John chapter 17, verse 15. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. In other words, we need to walk by His grace, by the power of His Spirit, and resist evil. That's not that complicated. All right. Our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Next comes the conclusion. Chapter 6, verse 13, the second half. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now you'll notice as we've portrayed that verse just as it's printed in the New American Standard Bible. You'll notice that the first letter of that sentence and the last letter of that sentence are brackets. Okay? They're not letters of the alphabet. That's because this phrase does not occur in the best New Testament manuscripts. Now there's a long tradition of it being included in English um, in English translations because of the, the the wonderful influence of the of the King James Bible. But the King James translation is based upon a Greek manuscript with a number of conflation,s and this is one of them. Now, is it true? Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Absolutely, it is. Nothing theologically wrong with that. It's just that. It wasn't in the best manuscript. So that's why many modern translations either don't include it. I, I checked about a dozen different ones, uh, and I checked them so thoroughly that I can't remember which ones did it which way. But they either don't include this phrase, or they put it in brackets. Nothing wrong with it. It expresses the theological basis for all of the petitions. Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as as it is in heaven, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is temporary. We yearn for the forever. How foolish would it be for us to pray to anyone other than the king, the one who is in charge, the one who can actually change something? Well, there's the whole prayer if you will. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But you know what? There's a postscript to this prayer. A a PS if you will. We know that Jesus connected it to the prayer because What's the first word of it? It's the word for. Jesus is going to pluck out one of those petitions and elaborate on it. We know what is verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive Your transgressions. I heard a wise man once put it this way. Forgiven people are forgiving people. You know, there is hardly anything you can do more destructive to your own well-being, spiritually, emotionally, and yes, even physically. There's almost nothing you can do that is more destructive than harboring bitterness carrying a grudge against someone, perpetuating a feud. So this model prayer has attached to it a reminder to reinforce the teaching about forgiveness about which we prayed according to verse 12. This is Jesus commenting on the fifth petition. And if He's going to take the trouble to comment on it, That just adds all the more importance to it. Now, notice he states it positively, then negatively. You forgive, and your Father will forgive you. You don't forgive, and your Father will not forgive you. If you hold grudges, and if you don't forgive if you're not known to be a person whose general life pattern is practicing grace toward others and extending forgiveness toward others, might that be a sign that you don't belong to the King? Might that be a sign that you're not saved? Well, it could be. I can't definitively say that, but at a minimum, I can say this. If you say that you're a Christian, if you profess Christ, we accept you as part of the fellowship based upon that that profession of faith. But if you profess Christ and you are holding a grudge against someone, or if you are carrying around bitterness about some time that that you were wronged. This should convict you. This should make your heart ache. This should make you cry out to God. Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's what this is here for. Jesus said, look, I I want you to understand. You you know that surpassing righteousness? Righteousness? It begins with forgiveness. And forgiveness is a transforming thing. So let this example of how to pray stimulate you. It's meant to guide you for when you talk to Almighty God. And as you commune with Him, these kinds of thoughts should play over and over In your mind. Look at it one more time. Pray then in this way Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Yeah, we took two sermons on it, but... We didn't go into all the minutiae of all of those things. We could take each of those elements of that prayer, each of those petitions could easily become a sermon in and of its own. But rather than deal with all the minutiae of all the details, of all the implications, of all the subpoints, I wanted to major on who God is, as is reflected in this sample prayer. Understand, prayer is... You, as a needy, adopted child of God, having the privilege to speak to Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.